Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi, guys. Today, we're speaking with Amy McRae, a mindfulness leadership coach from Omaha, Nebraska. In this episode, we discuss how Amy found a solution for her chronic health problems, reduced her stress and anxiety, and now helps people to develop the emotional intelligence and leadership skills they need to succeed through mindfulness. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Amy. How are you today? I am good. Thank you. And how are you doing? Ah, uh, Good. Um, you are in a very different climate than we are right now. So. Oh, I don't even, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was a heat wave. It was like 12 today, which I'm acclimating to this weather. Fahrenheit. I was like, oh, yeah, it's 12, yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, excuse me, 12 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, I don't know what the wind chill was, but the sun was shining. And honestly, I don't like anything below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. I think it's cold. I live in Nebraska, so it's cold a big chunk of the year for me. But this has been um, 40 below wind chills for a couple of days. So, yeah, I'm done with it. It's better. <laughs> I'm done We're on the it, way out of said. it, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, not yeah. summer. Yeah, she's like, and I'm done with it. I've decided I'm done with it. And that's, that's the end I'm of done. It. Yeah. I quit. I love that. I'm moving to Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Come on over. Um, I'm ready. Yeah, I, I mean, growing up in Ohio, I feel the same thing. I was always cold. My entire childhood, mm-hmm. I was cold, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things. But anyway, you've got a really interesting story and some really interesting, uh, you know, stuff to share with us. So could you just start by telling us how you became the woman you are today? Well, from the beginning, I guess I spent my my whole life, I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. And then, so I've had a fascination, a complete fascination with healing forever. And then my mom died when I was 20 and watching mm. her die of cancer was kind of uh, it was devastating to me and I just didn't have, I lost like all the passion and all the things I thought medicine was about. I lost any interest. So um, I didn't end up going on to medical school. I ended up spending most of my 20s chronically sick. And then I had nine different urologists. I had interstitial cystitis, irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. all kinds of things. And um, eventually I have an 18 year old daughter and she was a baby and there was a day when she was, um, I was too sick. I couldn't take care of her. Wow. So I really did literally have to crawl out of bed and crawl to a phone and get help. Mm. And I just said, forget this crap. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So basically that's, um, I mean, how I said I ended up finding healing through fitness, nutrition and meditation. And that re-sparked an interest of mine to, you know, lifelong passion to to do that. So it just looks more holistically now instead of, you know, how it might have looked. And that's how the business ended up becoming what it is. But it was really a lifelong passion. Yeah. So so can you just explain what what were you doing before that that you think was kind of causing you to have all these illnesses and this like chronic these chronic conditions and do you are you now well I didn't manage stress you know stress very effectively Mm -hmm. I don't know what um, your food system is like in Australia but one of the biggest things I made a difference in was my um, Mm. what I ate I I gave up um, the uh, 
I buy my meat from a farmer, so I eat hormone antibiotic free meat. That was a big thing. There's nitrites and nitrates in things such as um, deli meats, you know, things like that. So if you're eating meat, um, those were big things for me. I felt better. My diet alone made me feel at least 50% better after 30 days. I did something called a modified elimination diet. I found an, a doctor who had left her traditional practice um, and had started a place called Alternatives. And I was one of her first patients. She sold that a few years back now, but it was quite a few years ago. But I was one of her first patients there. And she said, you're kind of on toxic overload. She's like, you got to realize mm. what you're putting on your skin, what you're putting in your body. Um mm. You don't have your hormones checked, all these different things. So that was kind of the start of, uh, it just took me on this one thing after another fascination. It became this utter, you know, complete fascination with what I could really do. What, what's your body really capable of and what could you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, you know, it's really, your body has this amazing capacity to heal itself if you kind of get rid of the crap and if you yeah. tune in intuitively to what it wants. Mm-hmm. How did you come to these realizations? Did you start to study this and and really like research it? Yeah, after you know, after nine urologists, I was kind of devastated, frustrated. I had been kind of suicidal, but I had this baby, and it was just it was a really really difficult time. And when I was unable to take care of her and I I had seen a rheumatologist who said, well, you're going to have to change your lifestyle. And I'm thinking I'm 29 with a new baby. Like, what do you mean change my lifestyle? I mean, slow down. Like, I don't understand what you're you're talking about. um, Excuse me. Mums don't have time to be depressed. Thank you very much. Right. I don't, I don't have time for this. So you just fix this, (laughs) fix this crap for me me right now. Um, And I did, I, you know, I did try some pills and I tried a lot of different things and I had side effects to Mm. almost everything. It rendered me um, unable to take a lot of medications and I'm not, it's a very personal individual decision. So I wouldn't, but for me, it was obviously not going to work and it ended up being amazing because I found all these other phenomenal things. So it's fine, but the journey getting there was, it was hard. Yeah. (laughs) It was really hard. But I, then I studied lots of different things and I just, um, I just started looking. I called, I had a sister that was working in a gym and I said, get me, I called her up and I said, get me a personal trainer. I started looking up natural health, alternative health. And the first person I went to told me I had a death wish and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, this is why nobody does this holistic stuff. They're crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I paid her like a hundred bucks or something. And that was, you know, that was the inside. 25, 20. Yeah. I was like, what is wrong with me now? I'm, you know, I have no, there's no hope. So I found this woman who was a doctor who had left her practice and that led to like all kinds of other things but she was my first like okay there is you know it is legitimate it does make sense um here's some options and literally she said do this diet for 30 days and I did the diet for 30 days and I went oh all right and I thought initially I'm like oh I'm gonna do it for a couple months and I'm gonna go back and and I realized oh I don't get to go back because I don't yeah. feel good <laughs> if I go back so it became yeah. a lifestyle and it was fine it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all it's just a lifestyle that's the thing like- and I still do you think of diet- I don't feel like I give up anything. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say you think of a diet as like a short-term thing, but your diet is your everyday 
food habits. and habits yeah. and things that you should be doing all the time. Mm. And all of the time. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So what was it that she had you change and, and how did you feel from the changes that you were making and what you were eating? Well, I felt freaking phenomenal afterwards. <laughs> it was just really hard. I mean, I mean, it was hard. I went to the bathroom 30 or 40 times a day and yeah. I was in a lot of pain some days or exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to go to the bathroom 30 or 40 times a day and I wasn't so tired. Like yeah. I could get up and take care of my my baby yeah. so and go to work I could yeah. do the things that I, I needed to do so that was the big thing was to be able to like get back just to get take the edge off and get that little bit of relief that yeah. said you know what your body still can do it's still fine it can do whatever I had a lot of crazy experiences that led me to like that led me to know for example I ate in the afternoons I would have a snack I would have crackers and cheese and like grapes or carrots which when you say that sounds potentially healthy but I was eating crackers full of additives and preservatives I was eating cheese that was this packaged wannabe cheese in plastic wraps right and I realized that every time I had that I would get angry I'm like how the heck am I getting angry after eating cheese well it's not even cheese you know so and then there were times I ate tomatoes or eggs or something and I'd be like this level of exhaustion it was profound I'd have to go lay down and I'm like what in the heck and she's like well just switch to organic and see what happens well I switched to organic and what do you know Wow. I was fine. Yeah. So it just became, duh, like dumb. Like it would be stupid. Why would you want to live sick if all you have to do is, so I didn't have to give up everything. I just had to change some things. And yeah. now like it's been almost two decades. So yeah. <laughs> um, that is it's normal. So interesting. And like the fact that you went to so many doctors and no one recommended this beforehand as well, like for over all those years. And it seems like it's kind of like such a simple thing to change, but it's had such a big impact on you. I know, and I don't understand why. Um, I guess, you know, doctors are specifically trained. And I tell people here in the United States, I get clients that um, call me and are disappointed. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's not my job. But doctors are trained to prescribe drugs and perform surgery here. That's what they do. Yeah. And that's not necessarily good or bad. But if if that's not working for you, then, then you have to find something else. And yeah. I don't think they always know what those options are. They do what they're trained to do. They're very well trained in those things. And that's... That's what they know. Yeah. So I don't blame them. Um, and I saw some PAs that were really good that were a little bit more open-minded. And it's, you know, it was 20, almost 20 years ago. So yeah, it's totally years. different now. Mm. I mean, it's a different ball game. At least now there's a little bit more perspective. Like I trained some nurses. I just did some, before this, I did some training for um, a nursing college. So they're completely, it's completely different. Yeah. It's not as, it's not quite where I'd like to see it, but we're headed at least in that direction, at least some of the time. Yeah, totally. So tell us about your kind of career journey as well. So alongside this, you're going through these struggles and feeling really low energy, but you mentioned that you were also working. What did you study? What were you doing as a career? And then how did you then become the mindfulness leader coach? So I've always had, um, I had a cleaning business and that was, um, it was fine. It just was not something that I was passionate about. Yeah. So I was spending all of this time studying all of these things. And I was like, and I kept saving, like I was reading, back then we read magazines. Now hardly whenever everyone's online, but back then we read magazines. So I had files and files of magazines that I was saving. And I was like, I'm going to help people with this someday. I mean, I would save all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then one day I saw a woman who was a, she was an attorney and she was a life coach. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to like do that. Mm. Um, 
And I went and got my first certification was a certified personal trainer. And I think I have 16 or 18 now. So one thing just kind of led to another, basically. So my education is really, it's rather diverse because it's everything from personal training to life coaching to mindfulness training to even shamanic training. So there is a definitely a holistic (laughs) approach to it. But right now I focus largely on the mindfulness part because that really kind of is an umbrella to everything to me. You know, you can, if someone has some nutrition stuff they want to work on, I want to teach them mindful and intuitive eating, you know, Mm. and if someone comes with a health issue and the same thing with, with, if someone comes to me with a career challenge, wanting to make a change in their career, we're really just going to dig into self-awareness and what do you want? What are your values? And, you know, ask a bunch of questions. So, um, it all kind of, to me, it overlaps and sometimes people have blocks. So we do energy work or they just can't get through something. So, you know, having some, Sometimes it's good to have a lot of tools in the box. Sometimes you guys probably know, sometimes from a marketing standpoint, people are like, what does she do? She's got how many certifications? So (laughs) there's a balance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell me, so obviously I kind of have, I've done a little bit of work in mindfulness, but can you explain what does it mean to be mindful in business, in life, in eating? What do you mean by that? And, And how are we not mindful? Like, why is this something that people need to learn? So the technical sort of most used definition of mindfulness is basically to pay attention on purpose in the present moment without passing judgment. Mm -hmm. So that could mean something as simple as paying attention to what you're feeling, what you're hearing, your breath. Um, You know, there's a listening. I mean, anything, Mm -hmm. anything you could pay attention to, you could pay attention to colors. Um, In mindfulness based train like meditation there's some specific practices to do them but when it comes to like not everyone wants to sit down and meditate so I teach from the self-awareness piece mindfulness and self-awareness if you listen to John Kabat-Zinn and to um, Daniel Goleman basically have the same definition and self-awareness is this key aspect of emotional intelligence so that's what I'm trying to teach people to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what I always kind of jump to when when you say mindfulness is like, is it just meditating and and kind of trying to really you know focus in on yourself and after yoga? But mindfulness is something right. that you can do all the time. It's not just something that you have to do in a meditative meditative state. Absolutely. And I really, my intention is really to kind of mainstream it. I always joke around. You don't have to be a monk on a mountain chanting Om. And I literally get people calling me saying, hey, do you sell meditation cushions? I'm like, no, I don't even have one. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. like, I don't make it. If you want one, I've got, I know some people. Yeah. <laughs> but no, not me. So I want it to be as mainstream and as practical and as relevant to daily living. We live in a lifetime lifestyle that it's very difficult to get people to sit still for 20 minutes or, you know, certainly not 40 or 30 minutes. Even I am like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm good. Um, (laughs) But you can bring mindfulness, you know, to any time during your life. Like think about before you get up in the morning to check, I mean, everybody, I don't know about in Australia, but it seems like the United States is full of people that check their phones, especially on Facebook Mm -hmm. or email before they even get out of bed. Well, what if you took two minutes and paid attention to your breath before you did that? I mean, that's it. What if you did, I always recommend transition periods. What if you tuned into your body before you sent that email or that text, Mm. you know? What if you tapped into your emotions when you got, you know, overwhelmed, you know, instead of just reacting? So there's all these little moments. I do find that it's helpful 
I think those little moments lead people often to wanting to dig deeper in an actual form of med- meditation practice. Yeah. So I think that's how that can sometimes happen. And I think that if you have some sort of formal meditation practice, even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's three minutes, three times a day, it lends itself to being more mindful throughout the day. Yeah. Like it just kind of automatically happens. Yeah. So you could basically, you could just be lying in bed and that's that could be your meditation time. You don't need to have, yeah. like you said, like a special cushion. You don't need to have a room. No. You can just no. breathe and breathe. just concentrate on the breath for just a minute. You can walk from like your car, you know, from your car in your house and sense the bottoms of your feet. I mean, mm. that just gives you this moment of being grounded. I sense my hands and feet when I'm in a car because it overwhelms me. Like being in a car is overstimulating to me. Mm. So I'm like, I need to get focused or or I'm not going to be safe. So I sense my hands and feet driving. Um, There's just, there's so many different little ways to just make it practical and relevant and choose the few practices. I have a, I have a, I hate for, for lack of a better word, or call it a worksheet, but it's just a page that is like, here's, different ways, you know, what's your intention for the day? How do you want to feel? How do you, it's like ask four questions. What are four ways you can bring more mindfulness in your day? Like, it's just like three different sections and it asks like three different questions on each one. And I'm like, even if you took one from each one of those three sections, mm-hmm. you've made, made yourself like hugely more mindful during the day. And the reason we do it is so that we're more conscious and more present. Yeah. I like to use the analogy, like think about when you spend time with, you know, you're probably about to have a spend time with a child or you spend time with your significant other when you're fully present with them like isn't it so much better even if you're doing nothing like it's this totally different experience than it is when you're thinking about what you have to do next Mm. yeah that's so true and we live in such a distracted society at the moment where our attention spans Mm. are getting shorter and shorter shorter and shorter Mm -hmm. Is, is mindfulness something that can help you get a longer attention span absolutely in fact we often call it like another name for it is attention training and I've done it that way there have been some schools that have asked me to come in and they don't want to call it mindfulness they're like Mm -hmm. can we call it something else like attention training I'm like well yeah because it is Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely I use the analogy that it's like riding a bicycle because your mind always wanders and you're always going to have thoughts and instead of passing judgment on them or trying to get rid of them if you just make friends with them then they're not so intrusive and they're not so and they kind of become like further apart yeah at least some days and so if when you go to learn to ride a bike, you might kind of fall to the right, but you gently guide yourself up and then you might go to the left and then you bring your balance back up. Yeah. And it's the same thing with with attention training and mindfulness is, mm-hmm. yeah, it wanders and then you just bring it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it gets easier and you get less judgmental. Yeah. And, and it's less intrusive. Less harsh on yourself as well. Like, oh, you're not concentrating again. And then that just makes right. you feel like, yeah. Just, yeah. We want to cultivate compassion and curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So, okay, so I want to be more mindful because I'm hearing all these benefits, being calmer, having more attention. What other benefits are there to business owners for practicing mindfulness that you've noticed have significant improvements for the results of their business you've worked with? So they're like, especially right now, well-being and resilience are really, really important. So we know that uh, well-being and resilience... um, are improved through mindfulness-based practices. There's some proven neuroscience on it. We know that like employer retention, satisfaction, focus, uh, performance and success are all things that have the, you know, mindfulness has the capacity um, to do. And then kind of from a cost, you know, it's always about the, you know, businesses specifically 
want lower health care costs. They want reduced absenteeism. They want, um, you know, everybody wants less stress and burnout and overwhelm. So there's a variety of different benefits there. But the goal is, you know, the intention is everyone has to practice. People think that you can just come in, teach a class, and everybody just does it. And it just doesn't really work that way. No. Um, consistency, like brushing your teeth. Like you have to be consistent about it or there's negative impacts. Yeah, you don't just do <laughs> so it It's once. kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or going to the gym. Like you can't yeah. just go once and be like, oh, problem solved. I'll yeah. never be fat or unhealthy again. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's mental training. We have to practice. Just yeah. like you would go to the gym, you have to practice mental Mentally as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so then so you're now a mindfulness coach and this is something that you've been doing, what, for the last 10 years or more? Yeah, mindfulness is really the specific benefits of mindful, like mindfulness specifically have only been the past like three years. You couldn't really, I'm okay. in Omaha, it is so freaking conservative here. You couldn't even say mindfulness. We did <laughs> stuff, but we called it other stuff, okay. you know? Like we called it stress reduction or guided visualization and, yeah. and stuff like that. We never called it mindfulness. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. <laughs> no. But now you now you do call it mindfulness. What? what oh, now it's a buzzword. Now yeah. it's, it's but oh, people are oh, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like, they still don't, um, they still don't get it. They're still calling, wanting to know where they get their meditation pillow. So, um, but there are people, I want to add to the benefits of the, I'm a huge proponent of the emotional intelligence piece of mindfulness, okay. not just the part. So that's the benefit is I, I am very, very, very certain that after 2020, we are in a whole new world and where empathetic leadership mm -hmm. and compassion and making conscious choices has never mattered more. Yes. And so that's really the piece that the conscious decision making, the being attentive, the being caring, the being kind to yourself, the, you know, understanding your emotions and making better choices. That's where, where I really care about. So I want to make sure I add that everybody cares about the cost and relaxation and that matters. But mm -hmm. I think where we're headed, it's that's where we're headed, in okay, my opinion. Okay, so as leaders then, and business owners, how can we be more emotionally intelligent in our leadership styles? So the first step is acknowledging that you actually want to develop some self-awareness and then start, the, the there's something called mindful emotions and in psychology it's referred to as affect labeling. So basically, number one, start naming what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I ask people during coaching sessions what they're feeling, they're clueless. So I can ask a child and they'll they'll be more likely to tell me more than an adult will. Yeah. So um, start asking yourself what you're feeling, write it down, start tuning into your body, like a body scan is a really good way to like be like, okay, where am I feeling that emotion? Where is anger? And then I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is what color is it? What, um, yeah. where is it at? What sensation is it? So you just ask questions. There is a, it's an acronym called RAIN. It's R-A-I-N. And that's what we use for um, dealing with difficult emotions. Okay. So it's, Recognize, accept, mm -hmm. um, investigate, mm -hmm. and then it's just kind of natural awareness. And that's what you're doing. You're like, recognize this is what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. um, all right, this is what I'm feeling. Like, I'm just going to be with it. I'm going to make friends with it. I'm going to invite it in for tea. Um, then I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be curious, um, ask those questions. And then mm -hmm. what kind of naturally arises and with practice is, oh, it's all right. Acceptance. I'm all right with the fact that I'm freaking mad or whatever because yeah. it's dissipating and it's not so intense. So yeah. that's the first step. The first steps just look like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true because then when you when you can like take yourself out of the situation and just look at it from above, then yep. you deal uh, with less emotion. totally different. Yeah, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I've dealt with that this week actually, and it, it really does make a difference to kind of step back and look at it as if you're almost a bird or someone from above just looking at the situation below you. And then that's a that's a really great way of visualizing taking yourself out of the situation. So that take you can it out. It. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. Definitely. So you work with businesses now. You mentioned that you were um, working with nurses earlier. How did you grow your coaching business? Well, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn or doing networking things. And a lot of my stuff, like today, nurses, um, a lot of my stuff's referrals, honestly. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I do all the networking stuff, but the referral stuff, like the nurse stuff today was, I do stuff for them every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple other, yeah, the, I then, well, one of the things coming up, teaching is in and then another one is I do stuff for them every year so a lot of it's referrals or they've been clients and then they refer me to some business um and then colleagues refer me yeah that's awesome so you just keep busy I mean it's a hustle like anything else you know you're I'm I am certified to do all these things but I'm a business owner yeah you know yeah definitely I mean how has the the pandemic affected getting referrals this year have you found it oh it was bad like everything fell apart yeah Yeah. like every like everything did so I think I'm starting to see um I would actually kind of had some stuff better in like November December and January weren't ideal but there was a lot of things that are now set up and new new clients and Mm -hmm. and new things so I feel like spring is coming here so the virus mess seems to have settled a little bit. Um, yeah, that's good news. Especially with spring coming. So, and people are kind of like, it's been a year. People are kind of like, well, we're kind of fed up with the Zoom thing. Like half the organizations <laughs> here are like, yeah, we're kind of done with the Zoom crap. So uh, we got to figure out when we can get you in. So we're shifting, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, Jim called me today and they're like, we have a plan. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so they're being more creative and more resourceful, trying to find ways to, um, follow whatever regulations mm-hmm. they're trying to enforce and, and still keep people safe and make everybody happy because you have people that want to go one way and people want to go another way. So trying to ensure that everybody gets what they want and everybody can still do their jobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all and businesses can stay in, in business, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, of course. How did you then personally deal with that stress? You mentioned it kind of all fell apart in the beginning. What were you doing to manage the stress at that 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 point in your business well to tell you the truth I wasn't practicing much of what I preach like we're very human and <laughs> yeah um I didn't I didn't do it while they sent my children home as well so I'm a single mom and my kids are one's 18 so she's just turned 18 but I have a nine-year-old as well and she yeah. didn't do well so I think the rest of it I would have done well but the school sent home I really struggled like they wanted me to homeschool and they did this I'm a perfectionist and I want to do everything well so yeah. it was very hard for me to not be able to do that well, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. was devastated. So coming to terms with, I had to come to terms with my perfection issues and my control issues, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it's not easy. You know, I'm, I may practice mindfulness and I may teach it, but the world, my whole world, the world fell apart and my world fell apart and I couldn't give my daughter what she needed. So yeah. we just started becoming resourceful. Like I started asking questions. I just started doing things differently. I'm like, what's going to work? What works for her? What works for me? And yeah. being like, okay, what are our values? Like you just go back to, okay, I'm not doing, you know, acknowledging I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm not doing this well. What yeah. do I do differently? You know, and we had to do 12 different friggin' day. Like I just switched, I pay a homeschooler now and I just switched them in January. So yeah. it's a <laughs> continual coming back to, okay, 
that worked this way for a while and now we're now we're you know that resilience thing mm. yeah I think we all got a lesson in resilience this year whether we wanted it or not I so. completely agree and it was also a, a year where we just all looked at ourselves and thought like like you mentioned that the perfectionism thing like I think everyone's learned so much about themselves and how we react to situations now and I think mm-hmm. you definitely did practice what you preach because it, it sounds like you took yourself out of the situation and like tried loads of different things and thought about it strategically to make your next steps forward and hopefully make the now next it's step. better. And it is yeah. constant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that way anyway in life. It just, you guys know that mm. like 2020 just brought sudden changes, things no one, I've had coaching clients. I'm like, I don't know how to coach. Like they didn't give us a pandemic like lesson, no. you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, cause we used, you know, coaching's mindfulness isn't about getting to an end goal but coaching it does have end goals we have to set some goals we do a mindfully and we learn mindfulness but we still have to have I have no one's going to pay me to sit around and be like oh I feel peaceful yeah. you know yeah um, I mean kind of some some people do but <laughs> generally speaking people still want an outcome yeah so but nobody wants to everybody's so stressed that there's not it's, there's not an outcome. I'm like, I'm telling my coaching clients, how about we not set so many goals and we actually figure out how to do less? Yeah. I mean, there's a completely, it's a shift, a complete shift instead of being like, how many things are we going to, we always set steps and goals and, you know, I try to find the balance, but this year has been a continual, every client being like, okay, how do, how do we actually do this? Because people are, have levels of anxiety or extremely high and the things that worked for coaching have had to be altered Mm. and we don't have a training manual for it (laughs) you know we're all figuring out to some degree as we go but I still always come back to mindfulness because if I can find out that a client is stressed and has too much then we know we have to take it out instead of put it in so we still come back to the same practices but it took a while to be like oh they still work (laughs) you know yeah it still works it just looks differently yeah that's good advice. And now I just want to touch on your um, Mindfulness Matters course. Can you tell us about that and how you came up with what's what's in them and who can benefit from them? Sure. I have an online course. Um, it's eight weeks. Basically, I chose topics. There's a lot in each course, but you kind of, a lot of it is you've got to pick and choose what's most important to you. Mm-hmm especially in eight weeks, because there's a lot of information there and you can do everything in eight weeks, but it's going to be like, how do you implement it the rest of your life? So it's an introduction to mindfulness and meditation because people are always confused on how they correlate um, and what they mean. So there's that. And then introducing especially mindful breathing in that that first part, Mm -hmm. largely due to anxiety and stress. And then self-awareness is one week and emotional intelligence in the next. And I separate them because people love to do, I don't know about where you're at, but where I'm at, people love to do like Enneagram tests and Myers-Briggs and do all that stuff to find out more about themselves, but they don't ever dig in their emotional processes. So I give them the opportunity to do both. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we have a week where you can do that stuff that you like to do because it's useful. And now we have to dig in the emotional stuff. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, you know, and they're fun, right? (laughs) So good. It's so insightful. It's completely me. Like it's it's honestly one of the best things I've ever done. Isn't it amazing? You're like, how the heck do you do that? Mm. Yeah, I agree. But then you have to do the other work. (laughs) So, and those are important steps in order to be able to do because then I have mindful communication and mindful relationships after that and you got to have the other skills 
you can apply those into the communication and then that changes how you deal with your relationships and then leadership and wellness and daily life are the other three weeks and again wellness has fitness nutrition and stress management in it and leadership has a lot of different stuff but um, daily life is just more about uh, just different ways to make it into your daily life and understanding how it works for you yeah and it's really good for anyone I like right now no one does everyone's so overwhelmed like selling an online course they're like I don't need another online course so I'm like how about we do it in a coaching program so a lot of times that's what I do I'm like we just make it into a coaching program you have access to it and we work on aspects of it Mm -hmm. as you go so that's kind of what it's been lately and I chose them just so everybody had an introduction and it made it there's different meditations in each week. I just wanted to make it very real, yeah. relevant, practical, and not, you don't have to be a monk. A monk. You can just use the leadership <laughs> skills, but this is how you get to the leadership, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. If someone wants to um, take the course, where can they find it? The best way is just to go to mindfulnessleadercoach.com or just email me because then I can send a link and answer any questions. Perfect. Or set up, I do free phone consults or free Zoom Lately, people, well, I have a select group of people that don't ever want to be on Zoom again and a select group of people that want Zoom <laughs> instead of phone calls. So yeah. so I will do either a Zoom call or a phone call and just chit-chat with somebody about what their needs are and how to get them enrolled. And, um, and I always just off, I offer free audios um, just by having a conversation so they still have something or resources, yeah. whatever they need. That sounds awesome. Well, we'll leave the link for Mindfulness Leader Coach in the show notes. So anyone want, that wants to have a go or to speak to Amy, that is the easiest way to reach her. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Amy. It was really, really insightful to speak with you. And I'm being more mindful by the minute. <laughs> First, I got my breathing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank so. you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.